Hello and welcome to Josh Chang. I'm just going to give a little introduction here. Josh is a polymath and we could talk to him about a lot of things. Hopefully we will. Um, but today we want to talk to him about wine photography. I'm Haley. This is Ashley. We are Whole Cluster Conversation. Hi. Hey. Um, so everything from bottle shots to showcasing a space, he is going to talk to us about why he loves wine photography, tips about how to do some ourselves, and when to call in the big guns for professional level stuff. So with that, hello, Josh. <laughs> Hi, Ashley and Haley. What's up? <laughs> Thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to get to see both of you or talk with both of you on the radio and I feel like I'm on a radio show, even though it's a podcast, you know? I like it. Yeah. Josh, why or how did you get into wine photography? I think, I mean, it, it really is as simple as I was into wine, and then I was in, also into photography. And <laughs> I had been, I went to this guy's, um, I had just been going to events, and I started taking pictures of stuff, and people eventually started paying for it. But... Um, <laughs> The funny story, though, is there was a guy, I was, um, when I moved to Portland, I was kind of involved in the food blogging community a little bit. I had a blog called PD Exploration, and this guy who is a charcuterie maker called, named Todd Merkel, who was part of this, like, Portland charcuterie project, he, like, hit me up one day and was like, hey, do you want to come over to my house and put my meat in your mouth? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and... um <laughs> So he's a he's a pretty funny guy, and so we I go over to this guy's house, which is a few blocks from mine, and he's like, "Well, my friend's having this underground wine tasting in his garage," and uh, I was like, awesome. "All right." So we, I hop in a car with him after putting eating some of his bacon, and um, <laughs> we go over to this like house in Northeast Portland, and um, it's this guy Vincent. Uh, it's his garage. And Vincent, like, had been um, learning to make wine from uh, another guy, John, uh, whose winery, Gochel Cellars, is amazing. And, um, but Vincent was ready to kind of want, like, he was, he's been making wine in his garage at this point for, like, a few years. And so he had a one barrel, and he, this was, like, they were doing a tasting of this vintage, but this was the last vintage before he started his own uh, winery, like, officially. Yeah. And so he was there, our friend Anne, who's now a friend, but I just met her at that time, Anne from Helioterra was there. And she also was uh, just starting her wine company that same year. And um, I brought a camera along with me and I just had a really cheap, like point and shoot at the time and um, took some pictures of the event. And it ended up being like used for all these things that they, um, you know, because this was like the special like garage tasting. And after that, I kind of formed a relationship with them. And um, they started like bringing me on to shoot like events that they were doing. And then there was another winery, Seven of Hearts, that uh, was only on his like second or third vintage. And um, we had just stopped in there tasting once. And um, eventually he started asking me to do like bottle shots and vineyard shots and it just became a thing after that. So you just mentioned like 
the who's who of the Portland metro like winery scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, awesome. It was neat because at the time, like, they were, I mean, I mean, like, literally he was making wine in his garage. So, I mean, yeah. it's it, it's kind of. Like out of trash have... barrels, right, Josh? <laughs> That's why he's doing his his fermentation. He had, he had a he had some like oak in there. <laughs> yeah, no, he, that had, gives he, had, me he hope. had a real wine barrel. Like, but it definitely gives me hope for like the size that the Idaho wine industry is now. And I know kind of your time timeline in Portland, so like maybe there's things happening here too. <laughs> I feel like that Portland wine has grown. Oregon wine in general has grown a lot since I moved here in 2008. I mean, yeah, it feels yeah. so much older than the Idaho wine industry, but or more established and older, but right. Maybe there's, we're just a couple of years behind. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking about how the grape vines, the oldest grape vines or whatever in Idaho are from the seventies. So maybe Oregon has a little bit older history. Yeah, we can get into that sometime. But yeah. yeah. Oregon <laughs> has a few like really special vineyards that are like eighty or ninety years old. So mm-hmm. I mean like there just a few of them that are like randomly planted but um like the pines and the valley was generally planted in the seventies though too. So So since you kind of we're talking about that event, the tasting in the garage, do you have tips on how to do event or like action shot photography for wineries? Yeah, um, I think probably my favorite thing to shoot for wineries is events because they're kind of free-flowing and you sort of are trying to capture, like, the feel, like, it's the feel of a of an event. And you're also sort of trying to tell a story. So the things about capturing a wine event are you want to catch the little details, you want to catch the um, people interacting, you want to catch, you know, like, wine being poured... Uh, you want things that are close in. You want things that are wide. So you, you really sort of are trying to get like a good mixture of things so that at the end of the day, um, there's like a visual record of like kind of what happened mm-hmm. and to really kind of hone in on like these are the moments that like are kind of memorable or worth like noting. This is what makes this event special. Um, and then... If you're if you really want to be a good winery event photographer, you also want to get them extra stuff that they can use like at any time, not just for the event, like cool shots of their bottles, you know, like maybe it's just in the background, but like with people like drinking in front of it or, you know, like their hands or wine being poured. Yeah. Um, you know, shots of the bottles just themselves, like with cool like the event kind of blurred out in the background or, um, you know, it's an opportunity to shoot. It's easy to shoot both the event and then a couple of extra things for them too, so that they get more value out of your service than just like a, a bunch of pictures of people drinking. And yeah. then <laughs> yeah. the other thing is to um, figure out sort of like who the winery's um, target clients are. Like, who are they trying to market themselves to? And um, and then find those people in the event and try to capture, like, moments where both candid moments of these people, but also just, it's just good for them to have group shots where, like, a bunch of people are holding, like, holding stuff and, you know, like, that enjoying the winery's wines and um, 
because they need kind of both. If you're taking pictures of people, do you suggest that wineries get um, permission from those people to share their photographs? Or do you feel like that's just an assumption that you can make if somebody's allowing you to take their picture? Yeah, I mean, some wineries are, it depends on the wine. I mean, sometimes people are more formal about like getting official like model release kind of things. But at events, I mean, like it's, it doesn't seem, it's not always like, I mean, unless you're planning to use it for some huge campaign and put some, you know, like <laughs> featuring somebody, like usually it's enough just to say, hey, do you, do you guys mind being in some photos for, um, you know, the winery? And most wine people are just fun people. Like they, they don't care. <laughs> they want to be, they're like, can you send us these? Like, you know, True. and I'm like, oh yeah, hit me up. Here's my Instagram. Like, just send me a DM. I'll send you this photo, you know? Cool. They want cool pictures of them and their friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. Drinking good wine. So that's what I love about wine people. They're yeah, they're there to have a good time. So that's that's one thing that I really like about you, Josh, and your style of photography is you're very non-invasive and you're very relaxed. I think, um, and so you create an environment that people one take better photos with because they're relaxed and cool but you're also able to really capture those candid moments because you kind of like ninja shot almost of like it's just not some some places you go and the photographer just like it's almost in your face and you're you're really relaxed and you have a really great style for that so I think that's helped your success a lot so um thanks yeah I think like I appreciate yeah noticing that because to me, that's super important. I mean, coming from a service industry background, you know, the the event's more important than, like, the photographer. You know, mm-hmm. like, you're, if you're, if you're, like, it's sort of like being a scientist. Like, you don't want to disturb the, you know, environment. You don't want to mess <laughs> with the conditions of things, you know, like, because then you're, like, changing everything and usually for the worse if you're a photographer that's just ordering people around making them pose <laughs> like yeah uh, yeah it, it doesn't seem very natural and like wine and winemaking is like this too like you don't want to mess with things too much cooking is like this you want like just good natural things and just to like not mess with it too much you know start with good product and you'll get a good finish <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks vincent you taught me that Oh, Vincent's the king of that. That's why if I ever learned to make wine, I would I would definitely like want to learn like from Vincent. That's why I sent you to work with him. So. <laughs> so kind of switching gears, how can you get the best action shots in the tasting room versus like an event? I think the best way to do that is to like actually, well, there's two ways you can go about getting like tasting room shots. I mean, you can just try to, take pictures of random people that come in that's a lot harder or you can the or you you can hire models which is also possible but kind of expensive but for most wineries the best thing to do is to pick have people come in that are um, friends of the wine that are fans of the winery you know like it's one it's a fun experience for your winery to have your you know some of your favorite customers um but also bring in people who kind of know each other too because you're those interactions are just so much more natural than if you get together four random people um 
so like if and if the winery has a hard time getting together people then like i'll bring f like three or four people who are friends to a winery so that th those interactions are just much more natural than like people who are awkwardly like oh hi i've just met you but we're gonna take pictures together you know like <laughs> yeah um for like a shoot with Grochelle Sellers and Brooks, I grabbed like Rachel, Kaylee, Ricky and um, Haley. And, you know, like the four of them like just had the best afternoon because the winery is just bringing out, you know, different wines and food for them. And so yeah, <laughs> it was easy. They didn't have to act like they were having a great time. They were just having a great time. Uh, for tasting room, one note I definitely have for wineries to get a better photos of the in the tasting room is use good wine. Uh, one of the wineries, <laughs> I, I won't name them, they were like, oh, well, let's bring out the cork bottles, for, you know, to use for uh, the photos and for the models to like, you know, be drinking and stuff while like in the pictures. And I'm like, I mean, do you want them like wrinkling their nose and like spitting stuff out? Like <laughs> <laughs> the models yeah. were, I was like, can we, get them better wine and everyone was like yes that's such a, that's a way better idea <laughs> <laughs> that is a good idea <laughs> yeah so don't use cork bottles if you're a winery and you want the models in the tasting room to look happy do not use the cork bottles <laughs> in fact why are you saving those cork bottles right <laughs> i think another fun thing that i know that you do from what david has told me is like that you pour extra big and like you pour faster um right? Because then that gives better photos. So. Yeah. So if you want to get a good pour shot, like you don't want, um, like it just, it, pours never look quite as nice. Like if you just kind of like slowly trickle them in. And so um, in order to get a good pour, you have to pour a little bit harder and faster, which tends to end up with the models having bigger pours also though. But I mean, but it, it, there's a balance with that though because if you pour too um, fast what happens is the the wine doesn't pour smoothly and then you get like um, it's just like super splashy all over so it's it is a harder pour but like not like an ex not too extreme yeah it do you have tips on doing that do, do you do a lot of sparkling wine pour shots yeah, I mean, to really catch sparkling, um, to get it, like, to get the fine bubbles and details, you, you'll want to flash because um, without that natural light, you can catch some of that, like, detail, but the flash will kind of freeze the um, action of that. And so um, for, like, Bubbles Fest, David and I would carry around, like, an um, off-camera flash and he would be, his official title was the Flasher. <laughs> Flashman. Yeah. Ashley's married to a Flasher. So, <laughs> all these things we know about David. Um, but, like that, having, and then you don't want to use, on, a lot of people will use on camera flash, but if you can get, that just results in a lot of like washed out looking photos. Um, you'll get much better shots if you use an off camera flash. Um, and there's ways to like stealthily make sort of use an off-camera flash with a stealth like a soft box on it. Okay. Um, there's a product called a flash disc, which oh, yeah. is not that expensive that you can stick on a off-camera flash that will like 
that's not too huge and you can um for it's great for events because the person carrying the flash the flasher can just kind of hold it down <laughs> at their side and then just you know like pop it up and hold it up when they need to use it i would love to hear about bottle shots because i know i'm always behind the eight ball and sending you our wine to get bottle shots <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah Bottle shots are, I mean, to get good ones, I, I mean, are a notoriously difficult thing just because to really make them look nice, you need like a certain amount of equipment. Um, primarily, the problem with bottles is the glass is like really reflective. And so you're going to get pictures where um, there's just so much glare on them, especially if you're using natural light for it. You want to have a... So almost no matter what, you're going to have what's called a spectral highlight on the bottle. And that's like, you see most bottle shots have kind of a strip of light on it hmm. um, yeah. somewhere or other. And like the, the trick to getting a good bottle shot is to learn how to control that. And so um, we use like a, okay, like a big flat. We have a nice like flash setup that's firing through a diffuser um, you know, and then it's, I've got like other, like a expensive camera, like a telephoto lens to kind of flatten it. So I'd say the things for, to make a good bottle shot, one, you need to have a circular polarizer. So a circular polarizer is a filter that you put on the front of your lens that just like polarized glasses kind of cuts, like you can rotate it so that it sort of cuts out like light coming from a certain direction. And that gets rid of the glare on the bottle. So that the circular polarizer cool. is so key to like making the bottle shots look um, a little bit more matte looking, and and making them and allowing the light to sort of you don't see all the reflections in the bottle at that point. Just the the label is more clear. Um, you need to have some sort of way to create like. A, um, that spectral highlight that stripe and so back in the old days i had like a piece i went to joanne's <laughs> I, not for this reason but i was there with my wife and i i saw this like fabric that was kind of thick and translucent and i i think she said they use it for joining things together but i was like this is perfect like bottle shot fabric <laughs> It's kind of like stiff and diffuse and like you, we hung it like in front of a light so that it diffused the light into, and into a strip. And then the strip like kind of, um, shows on the bottle, but since I've, I've moved on since then to using a flash, <laughs> but so for those do-it-yourselfers, get on over to Joanne's. But I Possibly. think what I'm taking away from this, I'm a pretty do-it-yourselfer, but some things are worth paying for. And yeah, professional bottle, bottle shots, shots are definitely worth paying for, in my opinion. <laughs> are, are something that I think it would be hard for a do-it-yourselfer to do at a, at a good at a high, at a really high level. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that, Haley. It just sounds like, <laughs> I mean, again, you can get something, but to get that really good quality. And especially since that's something that you're selling, like you want yeah. a good picture. And consistency. I mean, yeah. like if you think about like the time it would take you to, like I think a lot about like the opportunity costs. So like if your time is worth a certain amount, like 
the time that it would take you to get a very mediocre bottle shot, like as an amateur, like you could easily is like way less than it would or way more than it would like cost to just pay me to do it for you. You know, like we don't charge that much like for people. I mean, for you, obviously we just do it, but like for a normal client, um, you know, we might charge like $75 for one to six bottles and, you know, like 150 for, you know, like a case, it, it just makes sense because people who are set up to do it, it's just so much easier. Yeah. And consistency. Like, that's another thing that I feel like I want to talk to you about because I feel like you are really good at getting photos that have a feel to them. Like, like, um, a cohesive look, would you say? Exactly. <laughs> yes. So like with some of your clients, I know like they're much more fun and funky. And then with other clients, it's like, no, we're all about like the super high end product and we want everything to look super crisp and high end and expensive. And I don't know, others are like more outdoorsy. So do you have ideas or a process that you kind of go through to help get that look across in all the photos? Well, I think that the, um, wine, like kind of relating again to winemaking, I mean, like the California ethos would be like it's more about like the winemaker and so they'll take like whatever vintage is like and they'll kind of force it into their certain style so it tastes you know the same every year I actually look at photos more like the Oregon winemakers where like you you kind of get whatever you're given and then sort of let that speak to you and so like with brands um I'm more interested in like what is what makes sense for the brand than my personal style. So like most photographers actually are very much about like imparting their style onto a photo. Um, I think for me, like the editing and the shooting, I will like adjust per client. So actually there are like lots of clients where you might, people don't even realize that I've shot it in a way, but what's consistent across my photography probably is just more like the way that I see the world, which, and like, there's a, for the most part, there's this kind of a, I like sort of that immediacy. I like sort of the weird angles. I like looking at things from like, um, rather than just to, to take a picture straight on, like I'll start there so that we have a straight on photo, but then I usually walk in it. Like I'll walk around things you know, maybe this is more interesting from the back. Maybe this is more interesting from like up high looking down or what, you know, like what is going to tell this story the best way. And I don't really follow sort of any rules. So the, I think th that kind of is cons consistent across clients where there's like a very lawless sort of, um, <gasps> I'm laughing because this is totally you as a personality too. <laughs> Well, you know, I think it comes from having ADHD. So, I mean, you're you're constantly like, well, what's interesting to me? I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Like, that's the most boring thing. Like, these people are all clumped together. I'm going to go walk, like, way over here. Um, but, yeah, like, that. So, that approach, I think, comes across in, like, all my photos. They're just from strange angles or different uh, different perspectives on things than than the typical so that's sort of surprising and it's sort of like alive, but then like on the editing side, 
Um, I definitely have different looks for all the different clients because they, it's more to me like what tells their story best, not like what is my, I, I don't even care if they use my name and anything because also because there's a million Joshua Changs, but <laughs> <laughs> several of them are these like photographers in California, I guess also. So like. When should all of us do it ourselves, throw in the towel and call a professional like you? I think it depends on like how good a photographer, I mean, you know, like a do-it-yourselfer is though. I mean, there's plenty of people who are, do you know, like who can shoot great photos on their own. I think it's when you reach a point that's um, not economic, like viable from a that like we were talking about opportunity costs where you're mm-hmm. spending so much of your time and effort, you know, as a do it yourself or to get a result that's not, um, you know, like not going to help your business or not going to, um, you know, to, to get mediocre results. Like if you're getting great results as a do it yourself or, I mean, there's no, and it's not, it's not taking up too much of your time or effort, then there's not a real reason to hire a professional. But if you're, if your brand or your company is needing to get to like a certain place, like quality wise with images, I mean, then it becomes worth it, you know, and there's ways to make that more affordable or less affordable, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess, let me reframe that a little bit in the, like we live in such a image thirsty world and there's so much out there and people are just scrolling right past your images. So yeah. Like how, how much as a professional photographer and as a consumer, maybe there's two sides to that coin. Um, do you think we should be using professional photographs or things that look great versus things that are, like you said, just kind of mediocre. Like I can point and shoot with my phone all day long and post stuff to Instagram and get a bunch of likes, but at what point, yeah, is it, does it make more sense to have it professionally done? Or have the candid shots even. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think, like, there's a, a point where, like, winery, um, where if you, you, I would have, like, other people look at it and say, you know, like, does this, do the images, like, on, you know, this feed look like one, like a winery, like, what is, what are the feelings I get from that? Are these do I, does the images that, you know, like I'm posting here, do they create a sense of like genuineness, you know, which is like totally good, you know, or, or is it kind of telling me that maybe this product is inferior, you know, like an inferior product because you don't want photos that like are too perfect either, you know? And I think that there is a skill to making things look not too perfect or to make them look a little in in the, in this internet age, I think like authenticity is what um, really is sort of the goal for social media, and like I think a good professional is able to capture like what's authentic about you and your company, not just make it look perfect, like not just make right. the photos look polished or professional, but really like kind of capture the spirit of your company, um, and basically that point where if they're capturing things that um people could just shoot with their phone then you shouldn't be paying them (laughs) like when I go into a shoot if 
my like one of my goals is to shoot things that aren't possible with a phone like in a way in a way like both technically and like um like as a photo like from a like a view you know like a like perspective or like composition like that would just either be too difficult or like not even possible to do like without having a camera that has a large sensor and a and a fast lens or or a weird you know like a, a wide focal like a certain kind of focal length there yeah i think that's a really good point on like when to hire a professional and when to kind of do it not hire a professional i guess <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah i think it, it's hard to it's, there's no like um easy point to like when do you hire a professional but I think it really comes down to like are you satisfied with you know like as a business owner are you satisfied with the images you're getting or like have you know and then are the people who are like looking at your stuff from the outside perspective like if you have a marketing consultant or a PR person or a, usually what happens is um, wineries like will eventually need some help like as they grow bigger um, they'll start talking to people who are PR people or social media people or marketing people or website people and the, these are the people that tell them uh, your photos are not like they're <laughs> up to not up to par like you need you need to hire somebody and that's that's what usually happens as far as like they're like that's when people are like oh well you should go talk to Josh or, you know, like. For sure. So uh, when people are, you've kind of covered it, but just to like, you know, drive that point home. Um, if you are hiring a photographer, what's the most important thing you should be looking for in trying to decide one? I think first of all, like, do they care about your brand? Do they care like to get to know you? Are they taking the time to get to know you? Do like, do they have your, it's like hiring an employee. I mean, do they have your best interest in mind? Are they passionate about like the subject uh, in the wine world? Like, do they know wine? I mean, it's, it's shocking. Like how many like people will hire photographers in the wine world, but then they don't like really know anything about wine. So <laughs> um, then you end up photo with those, what we call in the wine world, like these like fake work photos where they're like, like why would they be that's not a weird pump over like that's not that's a really weird way to do like a punch down like that's why are they like standing on this and smiling you know like or what like that's they're holding the glass like they don't they're hold why are they holding the glass there or like you know <laughs> what like because like for wine like since this is a wine focusing i'll say like the i would you want a wine person, like, cause like I look at photos and I'm like, I'm this, this wine doesn't pair with this food, you know, like, or like I look at it and I'm like, well, this, I don't, this is the wrong kind of glass. Like I can tell, like, you know, this is, you're pouring in, pouring like Oregon Pinot into like a French Chardonnay, you know, like, or this is a Bordeaux glass, you know, like I think photographers should, if you're going to be in the wine world, you should know these things and then also like what's cool about the the photographer if you're looking for a good wine photographer they should know like what's cool about your business or what they're shooting like I can look at the vines and tell you how old, you know about how old they are like I know the difference between like a five-year-old vine a 15-year-old vine a 70-year-old vine you know and like why the 
and I get excited when I see like those gnarly like 76 year old vines so um I'm not saying that all the people should just hire me, but I'm just saying if you should. If you're <laughs> I mean, in I the, think everybody should hire you. <laughs> no, but, like, if you're in the wine industry, like, you know, and the wine photographer doesn't know, like, what whole cluster fermentation is or, like, I'm, I kind of ramble, but, like, one, do they care about your business? Do they care to get to know your business? Two, like, do they know wine? And then do you like their visual style? Like, look at their work, you know, do, you know, does it, does this, what does what they're doing kind of fit your, your brand or if you're a formal winery, you know, maybe a more traditional photographer is what you want. If you're a up and coming winery or like you're just more chill or like less pretentious, then you probably want somebody more like me who's more photojournalistic and not just going to be like, let's pose you here. Let's pose you, you know, like, I don't think I've ever heard you say that, Josh. Or maybe you kind of have of like, Ashley. No, or like, Ashley, put your your hand on your hip. It looks better. <laughs> um, yeah, I do like quick, um, like, I don't I don't do like really like superposed stuff, but I'll just tell, I do quick adjustments to people. I'm like, hey, tilt your head this way. Or, you have yeah, glare you on your just, glasses. You wanna, <laughs> yeah, you want to turn your hand like a little bit this way, you know, but. Tilt your hat up. Because that's one yeah, I thing I learned. Your eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I learned. People that wear hats in photos is no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, yeah. You just have to make sure that light's kind of hitting them in the right way. <laughs> As you guys are tilting your hats up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I feel like I have so much to learn, and I can't wait until you come back to Idaho and can we can get you out and have you photograph more of our stuff but <laughs> out to um, the vineyard too yeah yeah oh that'd be so fun um well yeah we should just get um foundry 503 out here for like a for a weekend intensive or something get a bunch of people on the hook and make it worth your guys time <laughs> so let's wrap this up and uh why don't you tell our listeners where people can find you for their all their wine photography needs <laughs> um yeah, on Instagram we are at Foundry Five Hundred Three. Um, we're a small digital marketing agency in Portland, Oregon. We do also um, UX, web production, web design, and then photography, and also photography, and um, and not just for wine. I mean, if you're you know for restaurants, for um, any random thing, we shoot all kinds of stuff. Properties, um, yeah. For make we shoot a lot of stuff for makers, artisans. Um. What about? Uh, did you want to promote your personal? Oh, and my personal Instagram is PD Exploration. So PDX P-L-O-R-A-T-O-N here. So I really like that you also tell people just look at my Instagram if you want like good places to check out in Portland. It's <laughs> a good place to start. <laughs> Next week, we will be talking about orange wines, something that Haley and I don't know a ton about, but we have decided to do a little bit of research and then have a fun conversation. So if you have any other questions about orange wine or stories related to it, please uh, hit us up on our email at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com. Again, wholeclusterconversation, no extra S, at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. 
Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer. Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah Vogel. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.